Hello and welcome to Peace, the podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Peace, a United Methodist community in Shoreview, Minnesota. I'm Jason Steffenhagen, the lead pastor. And each episode will typically start with a sacred story reading coming from the Holy Scriptures, followed by the message that was given during our Sunday morning worship time. Any announcements for our community will come at the end of each episode, so stick around. If you are curious about learning more about Peace United Methodist Community, you can go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. If you would like to find more episodes, you can find them on our website or go to our show page, which is peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Once again, that's peacethepodcast.podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, We hope that you enjoy this episode. Please like, rate, review, subscribe. And now, on to the Sacred Story reading. I was telling David that we have the trifecta today. The pastor's gone, it's daylight savings time, and snow. Oh well, we're here. I'm glad you're here. Can we switch the next slide, please? I'm going to be prompting Dean here a little bit. I don't have um, a monitor in front of me, so I may have to be turning from time to time. But um, we'll begin with, uh, most of you don't know me. And no worries, often I don't know myself either, so... But I was uh, the pastor at uh, Peace Church here from 1976 through 79. Ken Rugi preceded me, and uh, Mike Miller, I think you've heard of Mike, uh, succeeded me, and he was here. He had the longest tenure of any of the pastors that were associated with Peace Church. Mike was here for 17 years. Now, when I served, this congregation met at Home of the Good Shepherd, and basically we're, we're sitting at, on what was once a horse pasture owned by Home of the Good Shepherd. In 1979, I transitioned uh, from parish ministry into clinical training, and starting in 79, I served for 35 years with uh, Park Nicollet Methodist Hospice Program. I was the coordinator of spiritual care and, and grief support services until I retired in 2014. And since that time in retirement, I've been involved with volunteer activities that are similar to the work I was doing. I'm just not getting paid now. 
So that uh, work includes, um, I'm the conference health ministries team leader, and um, Bob Coleman mentioned the mission promotion team, the health ministries team is part of the mission promotions team. And I want to alert you to uh, an event that we have coming up April 1st, no fooling. Um, we have a mission summit at Hennepin Avenue Church, and the theme this year will be mental health and justice. It's offered a day-long seminar at the church free of charge, and we hope that uh, we'll get some information out for you. But uh, no charge, but we do, well, we'd prefer that people register. So that's April 1st. Um, we're in the season of Lent, and you notice on the slide, um, I like this, instead of talking about giving something up in Lent, I prefer to think about it as a time for introspection and reflection. And that's what uh, this slide says, a time for focusing on the heart, a time for asking questions about our spiritual health. And so today, next slide please, we're going to be dealing with the theme of shepherding and what it means to be a good shepherd. And in the midst of all of that, I'm going to be sharing some of the good shepherd role models that have been important in my life. And as I'm sharing those role models, I would invite you to think about the role models of shepherding that have been important to you in your life. Uh, next slide, please. So we're looking at uh, the 23rd Psalm as our Old Testament sacred story today. And we've had a version of that already. Uh, next slide. And what I'm going to try to do here is share with you another version of the 23rd Psalm. Dear God, you sustain me and feed me. Like a shepherd, you guide me. You lead me to an oasis of green to lie down by restful waters. You refresh my soul for the journey, and you guide me along trusted roads. The God of justice is your name. Though I must enter the darks of the death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. You prepare a table before my very eyes. In the presence of those who trouble me, you anoint my head with oil, and you fill my cup to the brim. Your loving kindness and birth will meet me every day of my life, and I will dwell in the home of the Good Shepherd forever. <laughs> 
It's from the New Zealand Book of Prayer. And I, I really like that uh, particular version. Now, I want to say a little bit about um, that uh, scripture passage. Did you know that uh, sheep are mentioned in the Bible more than 500 times? More than any other animals mentioned. And there are at least two reasons for this. The first is that sheep were important to the nomads and the agricultural life of the Hebrews and other similar peoples in that region. So that's number one. Number two, uh, sheep were used in the Bible symbolically to refer to God's people. While sheep uh, have not been important in my life, except for a couple of wool sweaters, um, they're one of the few livestock animals that are found virtually everywhere in the world. Australia has 10 times as many people, as uh, sheep as people, excuse me, 10 times as many sheep as people. And New Zealand, has a ratio of 20 to 1. Mary and I were um, fortunate to have a trip to New Zealand some years ago and were fascinated by probably the, the, the best side tour that we ever took was going to a sheep ranch and watching the sheep dogs do their work with sheep. And then, of course, the sheep shearing after that. Well, getting back to the 23rd Psalm, the word shepherd uh, occurs at least 60 times in the um, NIV, the New International Version of the Bible. The very first shepherd was Abel. Uh, Interestingly, he was also humanity's first murder victim, slain by his brother Cain. Abraham and Moses were also shepherds. King David was probably the best known of the shepherds in the Bible. And, of course, he wrote the beloved 23rd Psalm. Incidentally, the prophet Muhammad worked as a shepherd when he was eight years old. Now, the people who cared for the flocks of the sheep were the lowest socioeconomic level. They had little or no education. However, and this is ironic, they had the important responsibility of providing for and protecting the sheep. And sometimes this required their sacrifice. Many of us, for many of us, the 23rd Psalm was one of the first scripture passages that we learned or memorized as children. How many learned it and memorized it early on? Usually confirmation. 
and for some of us, it's a passage that's requested for a loved one's funeral or memorial service. Um, in my 35 years with Park Nicollet uh, Hospice, I uh, led, oh, I'd say hmm, about 400 funerals and memorial services. And the most often requested scripture passage was the 23rd Psalm. And often sitting at the bedside of a person who was dying or near death, um, either the person or a family member would request the 23rd Psalm. And that's one reason why I like to use versions that are a little unique. Um, I think sometimes when we memorize something or use something over and over and over again, we sort of lose the, um, the unique meaning, the deeper meaning. And that's why I like to use different versions of uh, favorite scripture passages, favorite prayers like we shared recent, just a few minutes ago with Linda. So what I'd like you to do is think for a moment about what the 23rd Psalm says about shepherding. These days, uh, my guess is that very few of us personally know anyone who actually works as a shepherd. Next slide, please. And then the next. And what are we at now? Oh, we're at the New Testament reading, but we'll wait for just a second. Uh, what does a shepherd do? The shepherd leads and guides. The shepherd revives. The shepherd protects. The shepherd nourishes and feeds. The shepherd sets a table of welcome and hospitality. And usually the shepherd is in the most different, difficult places that we find ourselves in in life, the difficult times, the difficult places. So in summary, the good shepherd showed great concern for his sheep. He provided for them in nourishment and rest. He guided them, leading the way. He was intimately involved with the flock and concerned for the safety of everyone. He was willing to sacrifice his own comfort, even his own life, for the sake of his sheep. Uh, turning to the next reading, the sacred reading, we're exploring um, the I am passages from the book of John. And the passage for today is I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd puts the sheep before herself sacrifices herself if necessary, 
A hired worker is not a real shepherd. The shepherd mean the sheep mean nothing to him. He sees a wolf come and runs, leaving the sheep to be ravaged and scattered by the wolf. He's only in it for the money. The sheep don't matter to him. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own sheep know me. In the same way, the Father knows me and I know the Father. I put the sheep's needs before my own, sacrificing myself if necessary. You need to know that I have other sheep in addition to those in the pen. I need to gather and bring them too. They'll also recognize my voice. Then it will be one flock, one shepherd. Therefore the Father loves me because I freely lay down my life. And so I am free to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on my own free will. I have the right to lay it down. I also have the right to take it up again. I received this authority personally from my father. Uh, next slide, please. Um, Jason often talks about Bethel. And um, I just want to remind you that a little further down Snelling Avenue is uh, a school that's been around for a while. It's called Hamlin University. Um, and some of us graduated from Hamlin um, some, some years ago. <laughs> and one of the models of a good shepherd that was important and still is important in my life was uh, one of the professors there, religion professors, I majored in psych and religion while at Hamlin. <clears throat> His name was Rob, Robert Kaiser. And after a few years at Hamlin, he, he moved on to um, Emory University and the, the seminary there. But uh, he wrote. A, he he was known as a kind of an expert on the Book of John, and he wrote a book called John, the Maverick Gospel. Um, and I I kind of like the Book of John uh, because it uh, you know it runs free of what we would find in Matthew. Mark and Luke. Um, some refer to it as the nonconformist gospel. Um, it represents a, a, a unique perspective um, of early Christian thought. One of the, the reasons I like it is that uh, the language is poetic more so than the language in the other Gospels. And secondly, the Gospel tends to use insider language. It's kind of a secret code in some ways. 
we may begin to think that Jesus talks in some sort of transcendental code within which is encased the secrets of life. Uh, the struggle to read and understand John, the Jesus in John, may be due to the, the fact that the meaning of life is not simple. It, it's not entirely lucid, and it's not easily absorbed. So John is poetic. It uh, speaks in kind of a secret code. And finally, a third reason that I really like it is that the language is often ambiguous. Now, poetic language is naturally a bit ambiguous by intent. Um, and by ambiguous, Dr. Kaiser means that single words and combinations of words can be taken to mean different things at different times to different people. That difference, those differences, enable us to tap the richness of meaning that can emerge. In the book of John, Christ is the eternal word of God who has become incarnate. Next slide. Oh, that's, uh, that's a sheepdog working. And if you think about the role of this particular dog, just think of how things might be different if it were the wolf in the corner doing the herding. Um, the book of John talks about the wolves and the fact that they have a different agenda. So getting back to the fourth gospel, when Jesus says, I am, he is expressing the very name of God. The implication is that Jesus is himself God. And this is one of the highest claims for Christ's divinity in the entire New Testament. So when Christ speaks, it's God who speaks. The words of Christ are God's words. The actions of Christ are God's actions. The human response to Christ is the response to God. And for all human purposes, Christ is God. So the I am statements basically are Jesus giving us a role model, a role model about shepherding relationships. Jesus is modeling the um, 
real relationships that he has with sheep, with us. And he serves as the example of authentic shepherding relationships. So who is a good shepherd? Am I a good shepherd? Are you a good shepherd? Um, I mentioned earlier that, uh, next slide please. Mentioned earlier <clears throat> that, um, well until about 1981, where we're sitting now was a horse pasture. And most of what is now the housing development back here was a woodland with wide open space. It was great for cross-country skiing. Tucked away in the woods was a sanctuary for nature and for women. It was the home of the Good Shepherd, and the home of the Good Shepherd offered programs and services for at-risk homeless women and girls in a nurturing and peaceful environment. The women were referred to Home of the Good Shepherd because they were often fleeing abusive and um, abusive relationships, poverty, mental health issues, and addiction. And according to one of the Good Shepherd sisters, she said, we assist women who are invisible to the rest of society. And just to give you a little background of what the home included, it opened its uh, North Oaks location in 1969. The campus consisted of a series of buildings connected via underground tunnels. Two of the cottages uh, provided refuge for up to nine women each. And the Good Shepherd campus also included two convent buildings that were home to 34 sisters, Sisters of the Good Shepherd and Sisters of the Cross. Additionally, there was a, a beautiful modern chapel, a fair trade boutique, administration offices, and the Oak Grove High School, which was an alternative learning center for at-risk students administered by the Moundsview School District. In early 1972, Peace Church held its first service at the home of the Good Shepherd. We rented the chapel, the gym, the classroom, and the cafeteria from the sisters until about 1982. Now at the time this all began, this venture of a Methodist church renting space in a Catholic facility was seen as um, a real progressive ecumenical adventure. And as time went on, we did some cooperative things together. Um, 
occasionally one of the women or girls was referred to me for um, spiritual and religious counseling if they happened to be Protestant. The Catholics were well taken care of. But um, I think that the Good Shepherd sisters were Good Shepherd role models. So I ask you, when you hear about a Good Shepherd, who do you think of? Who've been the Good Shepherds, those Good Shepherd role models in your life? And in what ways are you a good shepherd at home and at work, in relationships with family, friends, strangers? Um, I'd like to share a story. Um, it's a first-person story, and I have every reason to believe that it's uh, true. It's found in a book written by Ram Das and Paul Gorman. And so I'd like to invite you to put yourself into the story. I was in about 40 feet of water alone. I knew I should not have gone alone, but I was very competent and I just took a chance. There was not much current, and the water was so warm and enticing. But when I got a cramp, I realized at once how foolish I was. I was not very alarmed, but was completely doubled up with stomach cramps. I tried to remove my weight belt, but I was so doubled up I could not get to the catch. I was sinking and began to feel more frightened, unable to move. I could see my watch and knew that there was only a little more time on the oxygen tank before I would be finished with breathing. I tried to massage my abdomen. I wasn't wearing a wetsuit, but I couldn't straighten out, and I couldn't get to the cramped muscle with my hands. I thought, I can't go like this. I have things to do. I just couldn't die anonymously this way, with no one to even know what happened to me. And I called out in my mind, somebody... Something helped me. I was not prepared for what happened next. Suddenly I felt a prodding from behind me under the armpit. I thought, oh no, sharks. I felt real terror and despair. But my arm was being lifted forcibly. Around into my field of vision came an eye the most marvelous eye I could ever imagine. I swear it was smiling at me. It was the eye of a big dolphin.
looking into that eye, I knew I was safe. Next slide, please. It moved further forward, nudging under, and, and it hooked its dorsal fin under my armpit with my arm over its back. I relaxed, hugging it, flooded with relief. I felt that the animal was conveying security to me and that it was healing me as well as lifting me toward the surface. My stomach cramp went away as we ascended, and I relaxed with security, but I felt very strongly that it healed me, too. At the surface, it uh, drew me all the way to shore. It took me into water so shallow that I began to be concerned for it, that it would be beached and I pushed it back a little deeper, where it waited, watching me, I guess to see if I was all right. It felt like another lifetime. When I took off the weight belt and oxygen, I just took everything off and went naked back into the ocean to the dolphin. I felt so light and free and alive, I just wanted to play in the sun and the water, in all that freedom. The dolphin took me back out and played around in the water with me. I noticed that there were a lot of dolphins there farther out. After a while, it brought me back to shore. I was very tired then, almost collapsing. He made sure that I was safe in the shallowest of water. Then he turned sideways with one eye looking into mine. We stayed that way for what seemed like a very long time, timeless, I guess, in a trance almost, with personal thoughts of the past going through my mind. Then it made just one sound and went out to join the others and all of them left. Did you know that there are now 150, at least 150, dolphin-assisted therapy researchers worldwide? And there seems to be little doubt that dolphins uh, Swimming with dolphins can help humans with disabilities such as Down syndrome, autism, depression, attention deficit disorder, muscular dystrophy, and spinal cord injuries, to name a few. Animal-assisted therapy is rooted in the bond that can develop between people and animals. This is known as the pet effect because animals can provide a sense of calm, comfort, safety, and help to divert attention away from a stressful situation. Animals can help combat loneliness and boost social support. 
both through interactions with the animal and interactions that involve other people. You've ever taken a walk with a dog in a park, you'll attract lots of people. Animals can help us be more physically active and more active than we otherwise would have been. And this might help us live longer and healthier lives. So the question is, what can animals, specifically our companion animals, teach us about being a good shepherd? I forgot to show you this. This is one of my favorite um, items that belonged to my mother, and she got it in Hawaii. But it's a beautiful um, carving of a dolphin. But when I see this, I think of that story. And can you imagine what might have happened if it wasn't a dolphin that came to that man's rescue? Next slide, please. So what does all of this have to do with shepherding? Well, to get us thinking about that, uh, there are some quotes by Henri Nouwen, who uh, was a Dutch Catholic priest. He was a professor and writer and theologian, and his interests were rooted primarily in psychology and pastoral ministry, spirituality, social justice, and building community. He uh, published 39 books, but sadly he died at age 64 in 1996. And if you're ever looking for an inspirational book, I would encourage you to check out the works of Henri Nouwen. But I took some quotes from some of his writings, and these are quotes that sort of, in my view, role model good shepherding. Nouwen <clears throat> um, says, I cannot take away your pain. I cannot offer you a solution for your problems, but I can promise you that I won't leave you alone and will hold on to you as long and as well as I can. I think of the dolphin. Next slide. Compassion asks us to go where it hurts to enter the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion means full immersion in the condition of being human. And then next slide, when we honestly ask ourselves, which person in our life means the most to us, we often find that it is the one who, instead of giving advice, solutions, or cures, 
has chosen rather to share our pain and touch our wounds with a warm and tender hand. There's an interesting project going on that some of you might want to be involved in. We're starting to work on getting a little free library up and running. Probably you've seen many of these around other communities where you are. There's a, real, a group of really enthusiastic people working on this. If you'd like to get involved, there's information in here about how to do that and things like that. I believe the second thing is about, ah, yes. Every month, we have what we call a family game night. Now, that's not for just families to come to a family game night. That's about the church family getting together and doing something fun all together. Just a good way for people to get connected with each other so you don't have to have children or even be married or anything like that. Anybody who wants to participate in the community here is welcome to come to these things. And finally, um, there's a men's group that started in the last month or so that's been getting together just to share and support one another. And we're going to be eating lunch here together in another couple, well, actually in a week or so. And um, anybody, any guys who are interested in coming to that, we figured everybody usually eats lunch. And so we would just get together over lunchtime um, you can bring something. We've got a full kitchen. You can warm stuff up in a microwave or you can pick up something at a restaurant or something and bring it here. And just a time of fun and sharing with each other is what's involved there. Please join me. Speak love. Love is a way of life does not offend. Love does not get even. Love does not hedge. Love treasures time. Love tells the truth. Love holds everything together. Love makes us whole. May you depart in love and as good shepherds. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Peace, the podcast. If you would like to learn more about our community, go to peaceumc.com. Again, that's peaceumc.com. For more episodes of this podcast, you can go to our website or go to the show page, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. Again, peacethepodcast.podbean.com. May you experience the love of God and may you have peace.